Sheriff County's office in Memphis, Tennessee, conducted a wellness check on John Morant yesterday after some Instagram posts. And you know what? There are a lot of things you expect to see covering this team. So nothing surprises me anymore. But we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Darko Ryankovich getting more attention as a future head coach and much more coming up here right now on Locked on Grizzlies. Let's lock in. You are Locked on Grizzlies, your daily Memphis Grizzlies podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everyone, and welcome back to Locked on Grizzlies. I am your host today, DeMichael Cole, beat writer for the Commercial Appeal here in Memphis, Tennessee. Going solo dolo. No Joe Mullinax today, so just me by myself. Uh, so thank you for tuning in to Locked on Grizzlies today. Make sure you continue to tune in wherever you tune in. That's Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts. Locked on Grizzlies is there wherever you watch. Locked on Grizzlies is there. Shout out to the YouTube people as well. So uh, thank you for tuning in to Locked on Grizzlies on today. But we got a lot to talk about here and some basketball and some just, you know, Grizzlies related things. And sometimes with everything that's going on around this team, sometimes I feel like, man, we're we're not providing enough basketball talk uh, to you guys because it's just so many off the court things, but we can't miss on these things. And and at the end of the day, I feel like personally, this is my personal opinion. Yes, basketball is is obviously why we cover these people, but uh, covering them goes beyond just basketball. And that's something I've tried to show extensively through my coverage, whether it's shoes, whether it's lifestyle, whether it's just personality things. All of that matters for the reasons. Uh, because we're here with the John Morant situation. All those personality stories and things players do off the court kind of come into play when you think about what's kind of going on and transpired with John Morant over the past year. But the latest moment was yesterday morning where uh, John Morant sent off a, a, a few Instagram posts, and, and from the ones I've seen, there was a, you know, a love you, love you mom and a picture of him and his mom. And it was a love you pops, picturing him as pops. And he called his his, his daughter Kari, he called her the greatest, said he loved her. I think he said he loved his sister, congratulated her. He he kind of uh posted the picture of her signing to Mississippi Valley State or committing to Mississippi Valley State. So there was that as well. And then it was the last post that really caught the attention of a lot of people because these posts were pretty much deleted 20 minutes after they were posted, a little less than that. But um the last post, John Moran posted a picture. It was him, TNT microphone in front of him getting interviewed. And he said, bye, period, with the caption. So people rambled and, and minds wandered all over the place. As it turns out, uh, I spoke with uh, Shelby County's uh, Sheriff's Office spokesperson yesterday, and he pretty much said John Moran is fine. You know, his, his exact words were, Shelby County Sheriff's Office deputies checked on John Rand at his residence this morning, and he is fine. He advised us that he is taking a break from social media. So, boom, there you have it. And 
I won't ramble on too long here. Just just we'll say a couple things and then we'll get into you know what this actually means for John Morant. But I want to start with a couple things first because when someone makes social media posts with cryptic messages, I guess you could say, or with open-ended messages, it's sometimes it's best just just not to try to interpret what it means. Uh, I didn't tweet anything. I didn't say anything. All I did was reach out to people who had, who could actually tell me what was really going on, because you—that's a dangerous game. It's a dangerous game. I mean, as it turns out, he was just taking a break from social media, and I don't have to linger on here about saying too much, but uh, I'm sure many of you saw just the wide variety of opinions. I mean, I was I was talking to someone in the league office yesterday. And we were having a conversation about how people were actually contacting the league office, the NBA, saying, you know, coming up with theories like, oh, this must mean that the suspension uh, decision has been made because uh, John Morant posting the word by, it must mean that the NBA has come to his decision on his potential suspension. And I've seen some people say, oh, well, this must mean that staying off social media is a part of that suspension and things like that. I'm talking to the, to uh, one of the people in the league office and they're like, no, this had anything, nothing to do with us. We were just as surprised as you guys. So, I mean, just a wide variety of opinions and all that. It's just, it's best to don't play that game. Don't, don't play that game. Uh, just, just wait and see. Cause at the end of the day, I think what social media has done is kind of, created this sense of immediate gratification. We want things now. We want to know why now. You want to just Google the answer and find it real fast, but sometimes you just got to wait it out. And in the case of John Moran, it only took a couple hours, but in that couple hours, minds wandered all over the place. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, What I want to really focus on is what will that mean for John Moran? Taking that social media play. For one, uh, I think it's, it's, it's smart. Uh, because in his case, silence is the best thing right now. Uh, I think, sure, you know, he has a lot of things going on. He has his shoes. You know, he has all of his endorsement deals. He has a lot of off-court ventures that he, he'll probably get into this summer. But the thing is, Jabberan is in a situation where it's hard for him to win right now. Anything he says, anything he does is in a bigger you know, microscope right now, and even to a degree where a lot of people, and and I know this isn't, you know, the, the Locked on Grizzlies viewers for the most part, but I think it's fair to point this out because this is more of the, of the national perspective here that I think has led to reasons why he should be, you know, more quiet over the over the next, I mean, who knows how long he'll go on a social media break, but why he should be quiet at least over for the majority of the summer. But even yesterday, I, I saw there were a couple uh, players, NBA players, who went on Instagram Live, and, and you look in their comments, and it's it's people, I mean, joking about, oh, don't don't pull out a gun. And I think Jalen Green was one of them. Kyrie Irving on his, uh, he didn't acknowledge it. Jalen Green acknowledged it. He pointed it out in his Instagram Live. Kyrie Irving didn't. And it's like, hey, um, seeing those comments, in a way, you know, yes, it's it's the joking part of of the NBA social media. Uh, era or whatever, but it's also kind of, you know, it's also kind of confirming the fact that this is heavy on people's minds. 
when they think about John Morant. I went to an event uh, on yesterday that I'm going to talk about here in a second. And at the event, it was a lot of kids, a lot of kids uh, there. And I'm going to talk about it in the second segment, I mean. But anyways, a lot of kids at this event. And what stood out to me was the kids, one of the kids I was talking to must have been maybe seven, eight years old. And he, he knew that a Grizzlies player was going to be there. That wasn't Ja Morant. And then he says, is Ja, is ja coming? And I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> ja, ja Morant ain't coming today. And then we get to talking for a little bit, and he says, well, it's probably because of that suspension, isn't it? And he just said, and then he goes on, he says, I wish he would just stay out of trouble. Then it hit me. It's like, you know, maybe this silence thing is is, is really good for job because I talked about it a lot when I did the story, I think it was in March, on the branding perspective, you know, how John Rank can fix his image. And part of that was the fact that you might need some silence uh, when you're in the offseason because most of his work is going to come during this season. Uh, it's going to be his play that really kind of, you know, creates that safe space for him and for people to kind of gravitate back towards him outside of the, we know, you know, you, the diehard Grizzly fans, you're, you're not going anywhere. We know that. But for everyone else, I think that's kind of the case here, and that's kind of where we are. You know, with uh, John Morant, but at the end of the day, again, everyone that I've talked to uh, around Ja has said things like, look, he he's doing pretty much about as, as well as you can be for someone who's in the situation that he's in. Uh, I, I know that Ja has has kind of, you know, shared behind the scenes that he, you know, he's appreciative, appreciative of some of the love he's received uh, throughout this process and whatnot. So, um there is that part of it as well. So now pretty much we're in a wait and seat mode uh, with the suspension and, and potential suspension and everything that comes behind that. But job pretty much is in the dark now, which I think is great for him. I think it's great for his brand. I think it's great just to, you know, be in the background this summer because every time it seems like he's going to the background, which it felt like we were slowly getting to that point outside of just the looming suspension. Then, you know, yesterday happened and we were back here again. But speaking of yesterday, Another Grizzlies player, Jaron Jackson Jr., uh, doing some great things in the community. Again, I want to spotlight on that a little bit here in the next segment. But before we get to that, I want to talk to you about eBay Motors. Because guess what? Most of you know, when you got to build a championship team, it's all about the perfect fit. You got to make sure you got the perfect fit. You got to make sure the pieces are all right around each other. And it's the same way when it comes to your vehicle because it's every part you need has to fit just right. So guess what? The next time you need parts and accessories, just head over to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right. And the first time around, you all you got to do is add your ride to my garage. Look for the green check. You got to look for the green check to know that the part will fit. Or you can get your money back. It's simple as that. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million, that's a lot, man, 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. So go get the right parts at eBay Motors right now. The right fit, the right prices, all of it right now available on ebaymotors.com. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. So eligible items only and exclusions may apply. So head over right now to ebaymotors.com and let's ride. 
Coming up on Locked On, Chris, we're going to talk about Jaron Jackson Jr. and his role in the community. Stay tuned for that. Welcome back to Locked On Grizzlies. I am your host today, DeMichael Cole, beat writer for the Commercial Appeal here in Memphis. And right now, again, I said it's the summer. We're going to talk a lot of basketball. We're going to break down every piece and angle of the Memphis Grizzlies that you can possibly imagine. But there's a lot of things around the team that are important to spotlight. Because these things, you know, in a different way, play a role in the team chemistry to keep the players of uh, the leaders and everything else but went to LeBarner uh, hospital LeBron children's hospital yesterday uh for those who aren't familiar it's a it's a hospital here in Memphis uh that um treats the kids and Ryan Seacrest Foundation you know uh, cr- uh pretty much uh created this studio secret studios in the hospital, and I mean it's it's beautiful. If you haven't checked out the story, uh, you should go check it out and whatnot. But the thing is, what stood out to me is just talking to people about the event, and it was that oh they were trying to to get you know celebrities in the building to come. You know Ryan Seacrest was obviously there, but uh, they were trying to get other celebrities, I guess, on on the card to come with him and. And from what I was told, they reached out to Jaron Jackson Jr. and it was easy. And not only that, just seeing we've talked in the past about how Jaron interacts in these environments. You know, you got all the kids in the room, and it, it's it's like Jaron Jackson Jr. is a big kid. He, he's high fiving all the kids, having fun with them. He goes in there uh, into the studio, jumps on the podcast, talks to the kids, interviews, uh, takes pictures afterwards, and whatnot. And all of it is, is is part of kind of this this newfound leader that I've kind of spoken on in the past that Jaren Jackson Jr. this role he's about to step into, and it's not just what he's doing, you know, with the kids in the community because I think he shines in that area too. But it's also what he's doing in the NBA. Remember, Jaren Jackson Jr. is a National Basketball Players Association vice president now. He was voted that, and he was elected, so uh, he has a big role. At, at just his young age, but he's 23. But uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. has now become one of those people in the NBA where uh, he's he's become a leader not only on the floor, but it's the social justice impact. And, all that. And, and once you peel back the layers on Jaron Jackson Jr., you kind of realize this is how he was raised. This is who he, you know, uh, has, has come to be. You know, we, we know about his mother and the role she has in the WNBA and, you know, you know, his father, Jaron Jackson Sr., uh, former NBA player as well. You just kind of combine all that together. And we, he's spoken in the past about, you know, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., that is. Spoken in the past about, you know, uh, being there, you know, for, for for women's basketball, being an advocate, I guess you could say, for women's basketball. And, and, and not only that, spoken about social justice. You know, he was one of the players when everything was going on you know, in Memphis or or whatever the case may be. Uh, he's one of the players who has a very, you know, a strong opinion, I would say, on a social justice change and landscape here around the NBA and just in the world or in the United States or whatever, period. So Jaron Jackson Jr., forming into that kind of a leadership role, think it, I think it'll carry over to the court uh, this upcoming season, but it's, it's going to be kind of, 
it's it's a step kind of on the ladder. You know, it's like that small step in between two big steps uh, where I think we will see uh, how it how it affects, you know, his role as a leader. Because this summer, you're going to see a lot of Jaron Jackson Jr. You're going to see a lot of him doing things in the community. One, just because that's just who he is and, and, and whatnot. So you're going to see a lot of him. And it's kind of like, again, we've talked about this three-headed face of the Grizzlies thing. John Morant, duh. Desmond Bain kind of becoming the, the locker room behind the scene guy. And I think Jaron Jackson Jr. will come more of the face, the more public face, right? You know, Jaws, your your national, your national face because of the, the amazing player. You know, he is the exciting style of basketball. Jaron's more of your, it feels like the spokesperson. And then Desmond Bain is more of your, you know, behind the scenes. Yeah, some people see it publicly, but you go in the locker room, you really know it. Um, I think that's kind of how that is formulated there, but it's exciting to see Jaron Jackson Jr. take that next step. I've talked time and time again about how on the floor uh, his teammates have kind of said things like, want him to become more of a dog. I want to see Jaron Jackson get meaner, show the stank face a little bit more, dunk on some dudes. And you you saw him play this season, and you, you recognize things. Career-high two-point field goal percentage, uh, actually demanding the basketball a little bit more, not really demanding the basketball, but sealing in the post, putting two hands up, letting them know, hey, I'm here, throw me the basketball. And you saw his teammates actually respecting that. There were a lot of times Dylan Brooks, uh, Tyus Jones, they just hold the ball above their head, and they just wait. We're, we're waiting on Jaron Jackson Jr. to get position. Everybody else, you can run around all you want. We're just waiting on them to get in, get in position so we can give them the basketball, easy two points, go the other way, play defense. Uh that's the type of player he's becoming. And, again, I say all of this because I, I, I truly believe there is a correlation between the off-the-court confidence, the off-the-court leadership skills that, that translates over to on the court. Because you, come, you become this leader, you become this outspoken person. Guess what? You become more vocal on the floor as well, uh, and that's that's my opinion. But that's kind of what's happened with Jaron, too, uh, talking to a lot of the players about this season and, and what they recognize from Jaron Jackson Jr. One thing that's always stood out to me is the guy say, hey, this is as vocal as Jaron has ever been, especially on defense. Uh, he's communicating at a high level. He's calling out things, calling out screens, calling out plays, everything in between. And it's kind of led to this role where he's becoming more vocal. And, and now I'm, no Dylan Brooks anymore. So guess what? Jaron Jackson Jr. is the longest tenured player on the Memphis Grizzlies. So this is this is the role he's, he's stepping into. It's in a way he's kind of about to become a coach on the floor, especially on the defensive end. And speaking of coaches uh for the Memphis Grizzlies, we're going to highlight an assistant coach coming up, one who is getting some attention around the NBA as a possible future head coach. We're going to talk about what he means to the Memphis Grizzlies. That's Darko Ryan coach coming up next on Locked on Grizzlies. Welcome back to Locked on Grizzlies. I am your host, the Michael Cole, beat writer for the Commercial Appeal here in Memphis, Tennessee. want to thank you to continue to tune in with us on this episode. And now we can get into a little bit more of the basketball talk. We did the John Moran off the court stuff. We did the Jaron Jackson Jr. off the court stuff. Now let's talk about the nitty-gritty, the grit, the grind of the basketball. And let's do it with Darko Ryakovich. Uh, if you've been seeing the reports as of late, uh, teams are starting to – to reach out to the Grizzlies more, to, to, to have an idea, uh, you know, to kind of 
to, I guess, be intrigued with the idea of Darko Rykovich becoming their head coach. A couple teams uh, that I've seen is Toronto Raptors, Phoenix Suns. But what does it mean, right? Well, for one, Darko Rykovich is pretty much the right-hand man of Taylor Jenkins. So it's it's the right guy. It's the lead guy on the bench. He's the lead assistant coach. And he, he has a big role in the development of some of these core players on this team. I want to point out one area in particular where Darko Rykovich has kind of helped the Grizzlies uh, get to this level. And that is the playmaking role of off guards, uh, guys who play off the ball a lot. One I want to start with is Desmond Bain. Everyone has seen the growth. Remember rookie year Desmond Bain, you're watching a lot of spot-up three-pointers coming off the bench, etc. Year two Desmond Bain, you see a little bit more of the pick and roll. Uh, when when Ja was out for long stretches of time, the Grizzlies kind of uh, inserted him into that backup point guard, starting two-guard role, and, and it, it, well, hey, this, this fight can work. Then we saw year three Desmond Bain, and it wasn't anything might about it. I mean, career high in assists. Career high numbers and rebound. I think he pretty much doubled his assists almost. And the scoring went up. And it's not just the scoring, because when I talk about playmaking, we're not talking about just passing the ball. We're talking about creating off the dribble scoring and the way that Desmond Bain scored. And a lot of that, talking to Desmond Bain about it myself, I mean, these are his words, not mine. A lot of that can be kind of attributed to the work that he put in with Darko. Uh, Let's go back a couple summers ago. Couple summers, Grizzlies out there in summer league, and Desmond Bain called it one of the. It, it, it was uncomfortable for him. I'll just say that it was uncomfortable. Uh, he, I don't. I don't think he kind of enjoyed, you know, uh, certain parts of it, but he enjoyed, you know, just just going through the process and the final result. And that is, Darko basically put Desmond Bain in uncomfortable positions, uh, dribbling the basketball, playing more point guard, and basically say, "Hey, look." You want to be effective two guard in the NBA? Guess what? Most two guards today are pretty much combo guards. So you're playing on the ball, you're playing off the ball, and you got you can't just be a guy who's going to spot up for us. And he goes out to Vegas, he goes out to Salt Lake City. Desmond Bain plays on the ball more, mixed results. But then again, year two numbers go up, playmaking numbers look a little bit better. Year three, playmaking numbers take a, a, a more of a jump. And I mean, it's a it's a Direct impact uh, from the work that he put in with Darko. Then there's Zaire Williams. We haven't seen the full realm of the results yet. But I, I can say with my own eyes and from things that I've been told is Darko kind of had a similar approach now with, with Zaire. Now, he wasn't the summer league coach uh, when Zaire uh, went to summer league in year two. That was David McClure. And Zaire is expected to go back to summer league this year. Not sure who's going to be the coach yet at this moment. But the thing is, he was put in uncomfortable situations. Situations where you saw him, Zaire would sometimes dribble the ball out of bounds. He'd struggle to dribble the ball, get a couple carry, double calls, or whatever the case may be. And it was a punishment to say, hey, get, get out of here. You're, you're struggling, kid. It wasn't that. It was go do it again. Go do it again. Go do it again. Go do it again. And, again, 
you know, when the season 2022-2023 uh, NBA season started, Jack Zaire was injured. Uh, so we, we didn't really get to see uh, the full landscape of how uh, those uh, summer league days and, and just the work in general, the offseason work with Darko impacts him because that's that's who, you know, uh, these those guys work with the most in uh, the offseason. And then there's Jaron Jackson Jr. as well. This was a little bit surprising, but it shouldn't be because Jaron Jackson Jr. has a guard-like game. He's just a big guard. He's a, he's a big 6'11 uh, guard at that. But at the end of the day, that's another guy. Uh, put the ball in his hands more, playmaking. Uh, that's going to be a big step. I know Joe has touched on it a lot. You know, Jaron's going to have to learn how to pass out of those double teams and things like that a little bit more. It was something he struggled with against the Lakers. I think he finished that series with more turnovers than assists. But overall, it's something where Darko is is working on him with. So Darko, is, as Taylor Jenkins has said in the past, he's, he's the guy he leans on the most. And quite frankly, um, I, I, I think this upcoming season is where he will really create the chops to be a potential NBA head coach. I'm, I'm not sure if he'll get that job opportunity this season, especially uh, we've seen some of the firings out there. You got guys like Nick Nurse, Mike Bootenhoser, uh, Mike Williams getting fired. I mean, there's a good chance that some of this coaching, I mean, Doc Rivers too, and he's won a championship. But there's a good chance that a lot of this just gets recycled. A lot of these coaches get recycled. A couple assistants get a shot. But I think Darko will be back on the Grizzlies bench in a lead role uh, this season. But that is something to pay attention to. Pay attention to how he works with those guys because I can tell you, just watching up close, uh, there is a direct effect on – uh, how those players have played, those kind of uh, backup guards. I mean, you can throw guys like John Conchar in that conversation as well. I don't know if you remember, but uh, John Conchar actually played some point guard this past season in, in, in stretches, and, and he played some point guard a couple seasons ago in bigger stretches. So, uh, again, Darko kind of has the ability to really help mold these guys into off-the-ball uh, creators, and that's something, again, if the Grizzlies want to be at their best form, you can't rely on John Morant to be this ball-dominant guy. We've said it time and time again. That's why the numbers, sometimes when Tyus Jones get in, the assist numbers go up, the shooting numbers go up, because you're not overly reliant on one guy to get the job done. Thank you for tuning in to Locked On Grizzlies on today. And once again, we appreciate you for tuning in. We're going to have more to talk about on tomorrow, including, you know, John Morant's latest sneaker. We got a lot to talk about on there as well as much more around the Grizzlies team. Again, uh, so much more to talk about with free agency, with the draft. Me and Joe Monex will have you covered with all that. But once again, thank you for tuning in to today's edition of Locked On Grizzlies. Until next time, Grizzlies fans, we'll see you again on Locked On.